want to talk to you today about the importance of living a life where you trust in God and you're dependent upon him and no one else. Now, if you just actually heard that in your spirit, if that really dawns on your spirit, it'll change your life. Your flesh, if you actually heard it, your flesh will go, ugh, I don't like that. Because your flesh loses control. Because if you want to trust in the Lord, you can never be moved by what you see, by what you feel, by what you, what you experience outwardly. You take God at his word. So let's talk about that today. Trusting in the Lord. So many Christians, they have literally never stepped into a place where they've completely depended upon God and nothing else. It's a place of rest. I will tell you this, God is faithful. He is faithful. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Amen? His word is forever settled in heaven. And we say, you could say, well, pastor, come on. That, yeah, we hear that all the time. Of course we do. So the litmus test is, so if you really believe his word, are you worried about anything? Are you happy? Because we're going to see when you trust the Lord, you'll be happy. Right? Because you're at rest. And I'm telling you guys, as I look out at people here today, you are all world overcomers. Because you've been born of God. And he is faithful. Whatever situation you're in today, if you see what his will is in the word of God and do it, Man, I'm telling you, he'll do his part. Amen? So let's get into that. You guys ready? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you so much. Um, Jeanette and I, we could speak for ourselves. We feel very appreciated as pastors, you know. We live in a wonderful environment in this church. Um, I could tell you stories of some of the nightmare stuff that some pastors live in, and it's, it's just a nightmare, you know. <laughs> I'd love to tell you that a lot of it was... There was, was the people's fault, but most of it's the pastor's fault. But uh, we won't go there. So, <laughs> But anyway, we're very grateful. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been reading this scripture about every time we teach. Hallelujah. We trust God for revelation. We're trusting God for utterance today. 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as you know... Now again, this is something that you have to know. I, I think it's amazing that the Holy Spirit would, read, would write it and breathe it this way. For as much as you know, God wants you to know this, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, silver and gold, vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you and I were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And I could say this, so therefore, your life is not your own. So many Christians 
are living their life with them really being their Lord. And that there's no life in that. And as we, as we progress in life, in this season that's our season, listen, I'd love to tell you that that will never be pressed, but it will. You know, there's an enemy out there. Satan's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But he has no power, but he's a great deceiver. And he, God wants you to know who you are. You're not here for you. You're here to be light in this world and to show the world Jesus. Now, man, he wants to bless you. That's part of it. But this is so cool. We never seek the blessing. But I'm telling you, in our country and in our world, the body of Christ is standing up and taking their place. You know, and that's very, very important. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, building on this same truth that we've looked at, and again, I would encourage you, go back in these last six messages because we dive deep into this. It says here in Colossians 1.14, in whom, talking about in Christ, we have, this Greek word means we own and we possess redemption. Isn't that amazing? You've been redeemed, and what redemption is means you've been bought out of something because a ransom has been paid and you've been placed somewhere else. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, and now we're in the kingdom of God's dear Son. Where there is freedom, there's healing, there's no lack at all. There's peace, there's joy, there's strength, right? In whom we have, or we own and possess, redemption. I love this. Redemption. It's the Greek word apolutrosis. It literally means, boy, I'm telling you, this word is huge. It literally means the releasing affected by the payment of a ransom. Jesus, see, the Bible says, whoever the Son hath made free is, present tense, indeed free. So whether you feel like it, whether it looks like it, you are free. So now it's time for you to stand up in the word of God and declare your freedom and exercise your right to walk in it, right? So here we go, apolytrosis. It means forgiveness. It means cancellation of the penalty. The wages of sin is death, but you've not only been forgiven for your sin, but the penalty has been canceled. And the third part of this Greek word, it's so much like remission. It's also that not only were you forgiven, not only was the penalty canceled, but you literally now have been freed from the guilt, shame, and condemnation of sin. So that's never to beat you up again. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now... Now that Jesus redeemed you, no condemnation to those that be in Christ. Amen? Amen. This is awesome. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And this is that word that we love and we've been talking a lot about it, aphesis. It's interesting in this verse 
how the Holy Spirit took two Greek words that are very similar. Ephesus means remission. King James translators translated it forgiveness because that's where they were. But Ephesus, it, it includes forgiveness, but again, it's a lot like the other Greek word. The, the penalty has all, it also means the penalty's been canceled. Death has no right in your life. Do you know all sickness and disease is a form of death? Poverty and lack is a form of death. It has no right. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law with the precious blood of Jesus. And now, see, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to exercise your right. So Jesus said, listen, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, and now you go in my name. He gave us his name now to stand in that authority and exercise our right to walk in our freedom. This is so important. And it also means, again, the removal of guilt. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, as you meditate on these scriptures, as you put the word of God first place, as you begin to see these truths, I'm telling you, it is so wonderful to live without guilt, without shame, not condemning yourself. It, it, it's just, you get a taste of how free you really are. In other words, I've been redeemed by his blood. And his blood, as we've said many times, has produced a perfect righteousness in me. His blood has produced a perfect righteousness in you. That means it's perfect because it's not based on you. He was made to be sin for us so that we would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And in righteousness, we shall be far from oppression because we will never fear. In righteousness, no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. In righteousness, every tongue that rises against us in judgment will condemn it. In righteousness, our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of our children. Amen. Amen. There's, and I could go on and on and on of all the scriptures, right? The fruit of righteousness shall be peace. Isn't that amazing? You are a tree of righteousness and you're to grow peace. People should literally just see the peace of God when they look at your life. Never moved by circumstances. Never moved by people. That's the way Jesus walked. Amen? Hallelujah. And the Bible says that righteousness, not only the fruit shall be peace, but it, that peace will be shown forth in a quiet assurance. And get this, a quiet assurance forever. Forever. What is your future? It's a quiet assurance. Your life is secure. Oh, a lot goes on in the world. And to that we say, we overcome the world because of what he did for us. Amen? Amen. See, it's a perfect righteousness because it's a righteousness that I did not produce. That's what we have to get into. So many times we think 
that man, if I do a good job, it somehow gets me higher on an higher hierarchy so God will help me. No, 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 no. He started out by giving you everything because everything is based on Jesus. And, and knowing that is what causes you to walk holy before him. Amen? This is so important. So now, because of the truth of God's word, again, God is not looking at you in your sin. He looks at you as if sin never existed in your life. Do you know why he looks at you that way? Because sin does not exist in your life. It has been removed by the blood of Jesus. I mean, when you start to get, when this dawns on you, there will be a, a, a righteous, just boldness that rises up in you where you're not going to let poverty and lack come into your life. I'm not letting sickness and disease in my life. If it's there, it's got to leave, and I'm going to make sure I use the name of Jesus and use the word of God that he's given me to get it out of my life. And when I speak his word, he will always back it up. I can trust that. Amen? Isn't that amazing as we're sitting here today? The power of sin has been broken off our lives. Hallelujah. All the guilt, all the shame, all the condemnation of sin has been broken off our lives. You're like, well, pastor, I still feel guilty. Yeah, all that is is thoughts. You're taking thoughts from the enemy. But your conscience has been purged so that now you can serve the living God. Do you know how many Christians are doing nothing in their local church? They're doing nothing because, man, I'm just too busy and I'm just waiting for God to show me what to do. Well, you're going to be waiting. Then you're going to stand before him and you won't hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll hear, enter into your peace, I love you, and it'll be wonderful. And then in heaven, guess what? You're going to have to start being led because he's got a plan for you there. Right? The Holy Spirit will still be there. He's like, okay. So it's okay. You messed this thing up for whatever time you were on the earth, but now here we go. Come on. And, and it'll never change. You're going to still have to do something. Right? See, when people don't do anything, it exposes the fact that they don't know who they are. Now, some of them are disguised in wonderful gifts that can quote scriptures, but they don't really know them. Because if you know something, you act on it. Right? And, and I'm your pastor, and that's why I teach these things. God has a plan for your life. And if you're sitting here today, and if you could fog a mirror, you didn't mess it up. Right? And I could, be, I could tell you, you could look at me as an example. Because, man, I was running around doing my own thing in ministry for years. And God will confirm his word. Man, there was some great fruit. But I was never in the right place. And it was because, for some reason, I'm just like, you know, God, I'm just not worthy. You know? Lies. I just... I, and and it, it, it all funnels down to this. I just don't trust you. Right? I never trusted my mom. I never trusted my alcoholic stepdad. 
I don't trust anybody. And then one day Jesus showed up and just started just jumping off the page. All of my trust is in you. All of my trust is in you. And it's like, oh. Because I'm like, I'm not willing to step out and be a pastor and do what God's called me to do because, man, I just don't trust people. And God's like, okay. Do you know when Jesus was on, on the planet, he never walked trusting people either. All of his trust was in his father. And when he, all your trust is in your father, guess what? You can love people and give yourself to people and walk completely free. You see them the way they are. You help them. And you, you just love it because it's not dependent. And when people do you wrong or say things, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even dawn on you because you're so full of the fact that he's got me. See, some of you might be sitting here and there might be some relatives in your life or some parents or whatever that you've never forgiven. And forgiveness brings freedom. Right? And how do you forgive somebody who's really hurt you? when you realize how forgiven you are. That not only did God forgive you, he completely canceled the penalty and erased the guilt. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thing. Sin consciousness is now broken. So now we have the ability to be righteousness conscious. And that's how we walk. Why, do we, why does the church, in many respects, look so much like the world in their behavior? Why? Because they don't know that they're righteous. They don't know, really, they don't have revelation knowledge that their life has been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And when they start realizing that, and they start applying the blood to their kids and their families and their finances and their bodies and their businesses and their jobs and their ministries, everything will start changing because the Holy Spirit, he, he goes where the blood is. I'm, I'm telling you, he just goes where the blood is. God told the children of Israel, you put the blood of that Passover lamb on that doorpost. And when the destroyer comes... I will cover and stop the destroyer. It's exactly what he'll do in your finances, in your health, in your families, with your kids. You could look at your kids who have zero desire for God and still be at peace, knowing, man, their time is, is limited because the God of heaven, who is irresistible, will, will woo them and bring friends around them and lead them and all of a sudden you'll get a phone call and here they are just serving God. But how did that happen? Doesn't happen automatically. It happens when you invite God by trusting his word to come in. That's why I love prayer. All prayer is is man, I'm talking to God, I'm communicating with him, I'm bringing his word before him and I am inviting him into my life to change it. It's wonderful, right? So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. I love this scripture. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, neither by, interesting, the word by can be translated through, neither by or neither through the blood of goats and calves, but 
by or through his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus took his blood in the tabernacle in heaven one time, and his blood forever speaks that you are free. Amen? It's already purchased. Satan can tell you you're bound. You might feel like you're bound. Your circumstances might say it. Oh, no, 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 no. Right? Have you, have you noticed, have, did you ever think you'd see a day where people would tell you you got to stand six feet away from people? you got to wear a mask and, and you can't. Did you ever think that there would ever be a day where, oh my gosh, it's Sunday morning, but we can't come in our building and have church? Right? Now, there might be reasons and all this stuff, but the reality of that is, how did that feel? That's almost like, woo, that doesn't feel like freedom to me. But you know what? We are free in every situation. Every situation. I'll tell you, I met a young man. He was 28 years old at the time. I was 21. And he was literally the pastor of about 120 Christians in the Tijuana State Penitentiary in Tijuana, Mexico. And uh, through a translator, I was talking to him one time. This guy, you meet this guy, and just so full of life. It 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 just exploded out of him. And so I asked him, I'm like, so what crime did you do to be in here? Because he was in there for life. No chance of parole. And he had killed eight people. I mean, very violent guy. And I'm, I'm looking at him going, yeah, that's not who you are anymore. You're a brand new guy, you know. And through all that time when I was going into that prison, we saw the day that he was pardoned by the president of Mexico. Amazing. That's what I'm talking about. This guy was in a prison in Tijuana, Mexico, and I have met very few people in my life that were as free as that man. I mean, completely free. And that's what I'm saying to you in every circumstance. You are a world overcomer. You are free. Satan does not want you to know that. But the blood of Christ has done that for you. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Boy, the Spirit of God is stirring me. Verse 14 of Hebrews 9. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge or cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Why are people passionate about serving God? They come into a church and they just want to do something for God. They want to help out any way they can. Why is that? Because they're walking in a measure of this. Because when your conscience is purged, You'll know, that you're, you'll know that you're walking in this. It, I mean, I shouldn't say when. Your conscience is purged. And when you get a revelation of that, it will literally be like fire in your bones. I remember when I started, and I didn't realize this, but man, I got a little bit of revelation when I was like, right before I turned 18 years old, 
And when I started going to this church, man, I told the pastor, I'm like, listen, I go, I was an only child, so I could clean a house like nobody else. I can do whatever. I said, I am so excited. Whatever you need me to do, whatever nobody else will do, I'll do it. You know, and I was, I was going to high school full time. I was working at four McDonald's. You know, sleeping for, was optional to me. But, but working in the church was not. And I look back now and I go, that's exactly what this verse does for you when you get a revelation knowledge of it. You don't care what you're doing. You don't need a title, right? You don't need anything. You just want to just do something for God. And as you do that, see, so many people never get very far in their ministry because they never become faithful with something that somebody else is so God can never give it to them. There are so many Christians working for companies that God wants them to have their own business, but he can't because they're spending too much time at the water cooler talking bad about their company, bad about their boss, and just, right? They're not being faithful. Can we be real in church? Yeah. Right? There's, there's, there's things that God, God wants to bring revival into elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and college campuses, but we can't, but children, Christians are not honoring and obeying their parents and they're not walking in love towards people. And what happens is God is unable to move in that situation, so he'll keep wooing. Here's one thing about God. It doesn't matter if you've missed it and missed it and missed it. He's not moved by that at all. He, he, just, he doesn't want you to, but his focus is not on, geez. You know, the Lord has never come to me and said, Tony, come on. Are you ever going to get this? Right? He's never done that. He just keeps wooing and keeps wooing because he knows who he's made you. He knows it. But everything flows out of our relationship with him, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing for God. It all will flow out of your personal walk with him. And man, will you mess up? Of course you will. But you'll mess up all the way to victory, right? I think one time during uh, when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, Nike did a commercial, and he was walking, and they had all these stats of all the things he failed at. He, he failed at all these things on his way to being considered by many the greatest basketball player that has ever lived, right? And that's exactly what we do, except it's a little different with us because now when we get revelation, we can get to the point where we go, oh my gosh, he really keeps us from falling. So I don't have to fall anymore, right? There's a life, guys, for you on this earth. And, and it all starts with you trusting him. Trusting that if he said it, it's true. If he said he loves you, it's true. If he said he will watch over his word to perform it, then it's true, and you could trust that. Amen?
If he said, hey, listen, I will never leave you, I'll never fail you, I'll never forsake you, it is absolutely the truth. It says here, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge or cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So we see this as the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our hearts. The Holy Spirit works mightily. Remember how I said this? Wherever the blood is honored or applied, that's where the Holy Spirit works. Well, when the blood is applied to your heart, the mighty Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you to, do, for, to help you do the will of God. Man. He'll make you a better husband. He'll make you a better father. He'll make you a better wife. He'll just, it, when you put him on the equation, we literally need the Holy Spirit's help. And, and I'm telling you, as we apply the blood, he's there working. It opens the door. It's like an invitation. Here's the blood. Here's your invitation. Right? Wherever the blood is honored, the Holy Spirit works. Where the blood of Jesus flows, the mighty Holy Spirit goes. Always, right? Hallelujah. In other words, as you become conscious, conscious of the blood, it literally brings the Holy Spirit's work in your life. The Holy Spirit begins to work. And he wants to work. He never wants to stop working in your life. Right? So when you walk and live this way, when you go to sleep, guess what? I love the song we sang today. He never stops working. When you're over here doing this, this is a mess over here, and all of a sudden, it'll change. It's time for us in the body of Christ. Don't we need to see? We need to see God move big, right? We've been waiting on him to move, but in reality, he's waiting for us to invite him. And that's why we're teaching this. Hallelujah. So I have faith in his blood. When we look to the word of God, and this is where we're going to go in future messages, the next phase of this, when I look into God's word, I can see the connection between the blood of Jesus and I can see the connection, the blood of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You always see that. You always see that. Start, when you start to read your Bible and go through it, every time you'll see it, the blood of Christ and the outpouring and the move of the Holy Spirit. It's always there. So I have faith in his blood. We've talked a lot about that. I rest my case in the blood. And remember we said this, <clears throat> when I exercise my right and I stand and rest in the blood, what I'm doing, it's bringing me to a place of no wavering. It brings me to a place of no doubt where now all my trust is in him and I'm dependent upon him and nothing else. And that's what I really want to talk to you today. So this was kind of the preview. So now you're ready. I would be fired in a lot of church denominations because right now their message would be over. And I, I just, I'd be like, what? 
They'd be like, fail. You, you, you know, you had 15 minutes, right? Well, now we're warmed up. You guys ready to get into some of this stuff? When you have faith in the blood, when you start to exercise your right, you come to a place of no doubt and no wavering where now all your trust is in him. You're utterly dependent upon, Lord, you're either going to bring this to pass or, or nothing's happening. You know that is the place of greatest rest because you know he will always, always show up. Always. He's so faithful. Where we get in trouble <clears throat> is when we're self-centered, we think God has to move this way. So we start, to, we start to pray for this to happen. And God's over there going, oh, no, 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 no. This is the way I'm, I'm moving because this is going to be a lot better for you long distance. And, and then we give up over here and we're like, well, I'm mad at God. You know, he, I, I stood, I was in faith. You know, and, and if you could really fill out the reality of that, I was in faith for about three seconds. <laughs> right? Have you ever talked to people? Oh, yeah, I'm in the word, man. I just, I just live in the word. Right? And you're looking at them going, that's impossible. Right? Because I see the way you are. You're not happy, so it's impossible. I know that because I've been there. Right? Have you ever noticed with kids, when Sarah and David grew up in our home as our kids, we're like, you know, don't try to fake us out. We did it all. As a matter of fact, there's no school like the old school, so we probably have thought and did stupid things that are way beyond you've even, what you've even comprehended before, right? Now, maybe not Jeanette. See, we, in, my, in our relationship, we got a double portion. I did the double portion stupid things. She grew up not doing stupid things, right? But, you know, we, this, is, this is the way it is. God is just saying, listen, I've seen it all. I love you. Give it up. Get over yourself. Just follow me. I will do my part, right? When you have faith in the blood, you learn how to exercise faith in the blood, and that causes you to overcome everything in your life. When you get faith in the blood, you learn how to exercise faith in the blood. In other words, now you're acting on what you know and it brings victory into your life every time. Every time. Your confession and your faith in the blood causes you to become blood conscious instead of conscious conscience of your sin. We have to get past that because your sin is gone. So why be conscious of something that does no longer exist? Right? So, let's talk about trust. To trust God. And again, I think years ago, a few years ago, I did a series on trust. And we kind of really dove into it. We're not going to do that now. This is just another segment. So you can go back. Uh, the way Ryan has laid out our app, it's really easy to find. But get that series and listen to it. Because to trust God means that I'm totally dependent upon him and no one else or nothing else 
I'm only dependent upon him. See, when you're not trusting God, you will be greatly distracted. Right? You'll be greatly distracted. You'll let the distractions of life pull you all over the place. And, and do you have any distractions? Just pull out your iPhone. You got distractions, right? Some people can't sit through a sermon, man. They got to look on Facebook. Can't, we, can't, we, we don't even watch TV just watching TV anymore. We, we, we're, we're looking stuff up and, you know, we're doing all this stuff. And, and we sit there and uh, the Lord's trying to prompt us to spend some time with him. But no, we're reading really cute little things on Facebook and, right? No, no, no. No, I made a decision a long time ago. I'm going to use technology to help me grow spiritually. And the part of technology that doesn't, I don't mess with. I do have a Facebook page. I don't think I've ever looked at it. <laughs> right? Jeanette signed me up for a Facebook page. 600 people wanted to be my friend, and I'm like, I have no time for that. <laughs> because I could spend all my time there and be empty. Right? So you gotta, so what's the balance? Am I saying get off Facebook? No, I'm saying be led by the Spirit of God. Don't let, don't let Christians tell you what to do. Just be led. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, right? So here's the thing. To trust God, I'm dependent completely on him and no one else or nothing else. So now, when I've made that decision now, the Holy Spirit wants to teach me how to cultivate trust in him. How do I cultivate it? Because it needs to be cultivated. It, you grow progressively in this area. So, let's look at a couple scriptures. Psalm chapter 37. Now remember, we're quoting scripture, so these words are God-breathed. They are not up for discussion, and they're forever settled in heaven, and will work every time for everyone who will work it. See, the, the, the bummer about the time we're living in, the Bible says in the final days perilous times will come because, um, because people will become lovers of their own selves. And as it goes down, it comes to the point having a form of godliness, but they deny the dunamis therein. Why are they denying the power of the Holy Spirit? Because they're not, they don't, they don't, they're not conscious of the blood. They don't know who they are. Then it goes on and says, ever learning, but they're never able to become, come to the full discernment of the truth. In other words, I'm hearing scripture, I can quote it, but I don't see it yet. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. That list is not describing just the world. The world does not have a form of godliness, right? That's, that's in the church walls, Right? Ever learning but never coming to the full discernment of the truth. But look at Psalm 37, verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So my trust is in him. And what does it mean to do good? Do what the word says. So shall you dwell in the land. Now listen, that's a huge statement. Because guess where the blessing of the Lord is? It's in the land. It's in the land that God puts you. So it says, trust in the Lord and do good. 
Listen, you're not going to be able to do good if you're not trusting in the Lord. Right? I mean, Pastor Dave, what, what wonderful nuggets we get every time he's receiving an offering. I mean, these, these, these nuggets from the Word of God will change your life. How many people are literally missing so much because they don't trust God enough to honor him in their finances? Right, And so this is why you want to cultivate trust. It'll take a person from withholding to sowing. From, from not forgiving, it'll take them to a place where they start forgiving. Right? It'll teach them how to worship. You know, you don't worship somebody you don't trust. Right? It says, and you'll dwell in the land, and verily, that means most assuredly, you will be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart, which are expressions of God's will for your life. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Isn't that amazing? So if you commit your way unto him and you trust in him, he will bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? The desires of your heart. In other words, there's desires, but if you're not committed to him and if you don't trust in him, he's unable to bring them to pass. It's not that he's unwilling. Religion will say, well, see, you better do this or God's not. No, 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 it's not about that. He wants to bring them to pass. He gave them to you. But he's unable to because of where you're at, not where he's at. This is why it's so cool. You could blow it and be in the wrong place and be unwilling. And then you could literally, in a moment of time, say, you know what? I'm changing my mind. And start walking a different way. As Pastor Mark would say, you, he just decide one day to get out of that ridiculous sandbox that you're in. And the minute you do that, all of heaven floods in and starts working. And as you walk, as you commit your way to him, and you trust in him, he's able to bring it to pass. And that's what's so wonderful. Proverbs, you know this one, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means you're not dependent upon anyone else or anything else. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct. Notice how many times we're saying shall. This is, there's no gray area in this Hebrew word. There's no gray area in the Greek word shall. It's the strongest Thing, this means it shall happen. As truly as God lives, it'll happen. Proverbs 16, verse 20. Look at this one. He that handles a matter wisely shall find good. How do you handle a matter wisely? It's impossible to handle a matter wisely without the wisdom of God. Wouldn't you say that? Well, the wisdom of God flows when the Holy Spirit opens the word and light comes out. As, as you've meditated in the word, what comes out is wisdom. 
And if you'll handle a matter wisely, what, what does it say? You shall find good. And whoso trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Wow, this word trust is a Hebrew masculine noun. It always refers to people who are enjoying a relationship with God. Who are enjoying their relationship. I enjoy my relationship with the Lord. If you're not enjoying your relationship with the Lord, you won't be happy. If you are trusting in the Lord, Everybody around you will know it because you'll just be happy. Yeah, but pastor, I'm just a real kind of quiet, keep it to myself person. Notice I'm being quiet right now. But if I'm, if, could you imagine if I walked into church? All right. Okay, hey, thanks guys for pastor appreciation, Jake. That was awesome. I think I, you know, I'm kind of tired today. I'd much rather have you and Alicia preach but hey anyway open your bibles will you pray for me because i'm not enjoying my relationship with the lord right i'm not trusting in him i'm beaten down i still remember when a pastor in Atumwa asked me to come to one of his services and because he's like man church is just not growing and maybe you could come and see something this guy do you remember this we went to this church in Atumwa. this guy was railing on the people Could you imagine if I spent this time railing on you for not coming to church? You'd all be you'd all be sitting there going, "Time out! I'm, I'm here." (laughs) So he was expecting me. He's like, "So did you see a bunch of stuff and everything?" And I'm, you know, as I I spoke to him the next week, and and I'm like, "Well, I, I saw some one really big glaring thing, right? Man, what's going on in your life? You don't seem very happy." When you trust in the Lord, you will be happy, right? If you're trusting in God, you'll be happy. Why is that? Because God never talks about, well, I may do this for you. No, he always says, I shall. I shall. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You guys doing good today? This is ridiculous that it's already 10, 11. Man. Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed. This means, this word stayed means that I lean upon and I take hold of him, whose mind is stayed on thee, Why? Because he trusts in thee. Verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And this word strength literally means, it means strength, but it gives you a picture of a place of everlasting refuge. So the Bible, the word of God, is identifying trusting God as keeping your mind on him. Walk up to somebody, hey, how's it going? Have you ever done this? How's it going? Oh, I'm, I'm okay. You're not trusting in God. Right? 
Because a person who's trusting in God, they'll be like, you know, I mean, I don't feel okay. You have no idea what I've been through, right? I mean, but, but I'm trusting God, so I know I'm going through. I know I've already got the victory. I already know the end result of this. You get in a battle and you laugh and you're at peace because you already know the end result. Because God said, and I know him, right? And all my trust is in him, so I'm happy. Now, you gotta, now I'm telling you to walk this way. You're not faking it. You're just telling your flesh what it's going to do. Right? Well, you know, you just need some good friends that you get around that you can just bury your heart with. Be careful. Because a good friend is going to listen to that and then they're going to build you up. Right? Aren't you glad that it's written, it's written, it's written? You don't need a friend to come along and, oh, man, that is really horrible. I'm so sorry you're going through that. You know, yeah, you know, um, my aunt died of that. So, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't go that far. Run, run, right? You don't need that. You need to call, you need to have some people in your life that you call them up and say, hey, right? Pastor Dave, can you tell me how much God will never leave me or forsake me? Tell me how healed I am. Tell me how blessed I am financially. Because everything I'm seeing is not looking that way. But I know, I know that I know. And then what happens when you surround yourself with some good friends, when you're planted in the house and you're in relationship, do you know there are some incredible people in this church that know how to believe God, that love? I mean, it's amazing. And I'm telling you, it's really nice when you're going through something to get a text from somebody. Hey, thinking of you. And they give you this scripture that just completely changes your whole day. And, and what it is, is it gets your focus back on what the word says. I love this. God's word. Never forget this one. The Lord spoke this to me years ago. God's word is a seed that will keep you at rest. It's like spiritual melatonin, right? You just kind of just kind of take some of that stuff, and pretty soon you're just kind of mellowing out a little bit. But the, nothing does that like the Word of God. So let's talk about this real quick, because we live in a world where we have absolutes versus relativity, Right? Realize this, that God is a God of absolutes. The Bible is absolute truth. Absolute, not, not relative. It's absolute truth. John 17, 17, in the Amplified Classic Version, it says, Sanctify them. This is Jesus praying to his Father before he went to the cross. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. See, this is the issue that everyone has with the subject of absolutes versus relativity. These are the issues. If God said it, then it is true. 
right? Would you agree with that? If God said it, then it's true. But this is the problem that everybody has. Because if they really believe that, then we should believe it and obey it. Absolute. You know, the Bible never tells you to try something. It tells you to do it. God would never tell you to do something you can't do. So if the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that is absolute truth, so I should believe that and obey it. If the Bible says, what things soever I desire, when I pray, believe that I receive them and I shall have them, then I should just believe that and act on it. Right? If the Bible says that I'm to do good to those that despitefully use me, then I should just believe that and act on it. So why don't we? Because we don't see who we are and we're not submitted to the Lord because we're still living out of our flesh. And so what happens is Satan is the great option giver. Right? And, and, and all of a sudden you have options in your life. God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. But I'm, I've got this going on. God says, forgive constantly. Yeah, but you have no idea what that person did to me. Options. God said, meditate in my word day and night. But I have the option. Well, I just don't have time to get in the word today. And, and what that does is it robs us. Because we lose sight of who we actually are. Right? If we accept that the Bible is God's word, then we come face to face. I remember when the Lord <laughs> dealt with me on this. We come face to face with the question, why are you choosing not to believe it and not to do it? If, 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 we, if we really accept that this is the word of God. And this is what affects our witness so much. Because the world is like, you don't really believe it. Right? I mean, I know people that literally believe that having an idol in their house blesses them. They actually believe that this little rock they have this whole type of architecture. I don't know if I'll say this right, but Stapacha Vedic architecture, where they build a house. This is in Fairfield, Iowa, where they will build a house to channel spiritual forces. And they really believe that that's going to help them. There are people that literally will go twice a day. They will, their whole day will be around going to a gold dome for 20 minutes twice a day, sitting in a lotus position and putting their fingers in a certain position and starting to say silently over and over in their mind this mantra that they've been given and that blesses them. They actually believe, they're committed to that. You would laugh if you went to the square in Fairfield you know, have you ever been to a square in a little town, right? All the businesses, you have the front door. Well, not in Fairfield because, man, they've got it. What is it? They, the door has to open to the east. So they will spend 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a tunnel, a hallway to go all the way. Because if they're in the middle of, of the square and you could walk out the front door, no, that's not where the front door of that business is. It's around the corner. Because you have to go, if you don't go into the east, not blessed. My friend, now he's not there anymore, he was given a building that he had his church in because a guy, a business owner, went to what's called the observatory out north of Fairfield and had his star charts read. People would come from all over the world to have their star charts read. And, and, and this, um, this spiritualist told this business owner, the reason why your business is not blessed is because it's attached to a funeral home. So he gave it. He gave it to my friend. That's the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the, the just, right? Or you could say the wealth of the stupid. Really, kind of the same thing, right? But, I mean, people believe this, and then we have the word. And we are like, ah. wait, we're ta you're talking God. Do you know with everything going on in the world today, do you know God is not perspiring? Do you know when this worldwide pandemic, whatever you want to call it, broke out, do you know God went, oh man, I sh maybe, I shouldn't have, maybe I should not have said Psalm 91. No, he's not moved. But what he is doing is he's moving by his spirit to get people word conscious, righteous conscious, so that they will stand up and say, wait a minute, no evil's coming nigh my dwelling place. No pestilence is coming nigh. If, if you've had this virus before, I'm going to live and not die, right? And then, and by the way, I'm never getting it again, Amen. right? And my trust is not in a vaccine, Right? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't take a vaccine. Be led. That's so simple. But whatever you do, you better be led. But you better not trust in a vaccine. Right? My uncle called me up right before my son got married. Man, he freaked out because he had COVID and he, got, he was vaccinated. And he pretty much believes anybody not vaccinated is a murderer. Which, he doesn't, he never called me a murderer, but... Right? But still, I mean, it's just, it's crazy what's out there. And I'm here to tell you the world needs you to just stand up and go, hey. Right? The world needs us to stand up and say, we have all of our trust in God. And we're led. Well, does that mean we never have a surgical procedure, never take a vaccine, never take med? No, it doesn't mean that. It means we have all of our trust in the Lord. Do you know we have division in the church? Like even mentioning the word vaccine. I mean, you should saw, did you feel what happened in here? <gasps> right? Mention Democrat, Republican. Oh, mention, mention, what is it? T-R-U-M-P. Oh, it's five letters. Mention Trump. <laughs> division, division. We need to get over all that. Guys, we win. In every situation, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So you're safe, 
You could be healthy. You could prosper. Listen, that's why you have the freedom. Pray for your government. Please pray. Would you want to be the president? No, I wouldn't want to be the president. I remember when Barack Obama became president. He was pretty young, healthy looking. Man, after four years of being president, gray hair, a few more, I mean, you know, no thank you. But I'll pray for them. I need to because they don't have any authority on the earth. But I have authority in the name of Jesus. So, see, what I, and the reason why I'm saying that, boy, I, you know me, I don't, I've had people really push me to be political. And I am really political. I think a Christian should vote righteousness. That's it. Let's move on and let's get in the word of God, right? And let's believe God for God to change our nation, but starting with me. Right? Because when I see Jesus walking on the earth, he was not dictated by governments, by what was going on around him. He had authority. And he walked that authority out by loving people, meeting them right where they were. Right? I mean, guys, the precious fruit of the earth. Of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. I wonder if the person that God had called in the earth and the plan to rid the earth of cancer, I wonder if that baby could have been aborted. Right? So we need to, we need to just literally stand and believe God. And we need to go beyond the nonsense. Because my heart breaks have you, ever, have you ever dealt with a young lady who's had an abortion or two or three and what they deal with? The church doesn't need to judge them. The church needs to pour the love of God into their life, right? It doesn't matter what a person's done. I could tell you this. I am who I am by the grace of God. And you'll notice that the love of God and who we are, it transcends race, it trans it's global. Because we are here to be Jesus in the earth. And to do that, we have to put all of our trust in him. This is so, so very important. There is no middle ground. Jesus is either who he said he is or he's not. And I'm here to tell you, he is. And he loves people. He loves people. He loves the person who just murdered somebody. He loves the person who just raped somebody. That's, that's hard to wrap around, but he does. Doesn't like what they've done, but there is healing and restoration and salvation for both the victim and the person who did it see this is why we have to get over ourselves and get our eyes on the lord these scriptures on trusts on trusting god are absolutes psalm 119 verse 89 i love this forever O lord your word is settled in heaven wow 
And I'll finish with this, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says in the second half of this verse, but the people that do know their God. Now, this phrase in the Hebrew language literally is talking about a relationship that is so intimate that where things are conceived inside the person and birthed out of them. That's the word no. It says that they will be strong and do exploits. They will be strong. This word strong means they will be courageous enough to seize hold of things and will do exploits, will do things beyond their natural ability. That's who you and I are. You know, we're talking on Wednesday night about how to develop a strong spirit. And it so fits with this series because God wants you to be spiritually strong because he's made you to do exploits in this world. Right? Not See, this is the thing. Realize God wants to come into your life and turn it right side up. He, see, you can't bless somebody financially unless you're blessed financially. Right? You can't take somebody someplace that you've never been. You can't give somebody something that you don't have. Right? So this is why we're going to teach on this because I'm telling you where we honor what the blood of Christ did for us, the Holy Spirit, it, it's an invitation for him to start working. So be excited today. Go out, love people with the love of God. Be led by the Spirit of God, right? Walk in the very strength and faith of God. Cause your will to be completely one with his will because now you're meditating in the word day and night. It'll change your life and all those around you, amen?